0: Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbers. Culture is insisting that our gospel, our good news, is a gospel of love alone. And I risked saying something last week that If you've been culturally conditioned by what the word love means, then the next phrase sounds like heresy. Isn't that funny? Conditioned by culture. But yet, see, heresy is only, it's that word that says you're speaking against the orthodox or sacred things of God. So here comes the statement. Love alone doesn't do it. And you say, oh. And I said last week that we have been influenced More by a 1967 Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, 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 Love Is All You Need, than we have by Scripture. You see, it is the love of God that creates intersection or engagement with Him. For God so loved the world, He gave. Jesus, for God so loved the world, He came. Emptied Himself, Philippians 2, of equality with God and took on our flesh. That word is called incarnation. It's the love of God that drives him to that place of encounter. And please hear me, for all of us, you, me, every person, brothers and sisters watching online, the love of, it is the love of God that will always find me where I am and meet me where I am in my brokenness. But it's the holy of God that leads me where I need to go next. The love of God meets me where I am. The holy of God takes me where I need to go. Please hear me. Do you know the greatest expression of love, according to Scripture, is the death of Christ on the cross? Please listen closely, because we need to know our Bibles. The death on the cross by Jesus Christ is also known as the greatest act of initiating redemption. Do you remember the thousands of times we talk about redeeming a coupon at Kroger, that coupon has intrinsic value. In other words, there's value in it, but you have to take it to the issuer to get the value out of it. God has created every human being in his image. He has stamped on our soul's intrinsic value, but it can only be redeemed if you take it to the issuer. And that is God. Himself, Jesus opened the door that was closed. We had no way back, but through his redeeming love. Everybody get that? The Bible talks. On. It is the love of God that presents me with redemption. But it is not an accident that when he describes the spirit of God, he uses a word that he doesn't use for the typically. We do have a holy God, but he uniquely and exclusively calls him in the New Testament the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, you can listen to last week, has the capacity to make me whole. That is transformation. The love of God redeems me. The holy of God transforms me. The love of God meets me and presents me with the opportunity for redemption, to draw out that full worth, but it's the holy of God. This morning, I want to talk briefly, and I'm going to use a precious brother and sister, and Christian and Lydia, and Noah and Norabel, as the... Unfortunately for them, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. I can tell you they won't mind because I know them that well. But they're going to be the anvil on which we can hammer out a point of truth. Because today we're going to dedicate Nora Bell. We'll come to that in a moment. My heart has been all over the place. Not another time in my life have I felt the weight of the gospel as I do now. I feel the weight of holy. I'm not saying that to be noble. I don't even know what that means. See, holy is one of our 21 words. And the way I'll start off by defining holy, everyone look at me. Holy is the word we use that conveys our most daring attempt to describe or know God. It's that most daring word. It is the only word that really has no definition And is unique to God. Look, listen, the word means a couple of different things. It means that which is entirely other. Is it not good to know that our holy God is entirely other? What does that mean? He's other than anything. He doesn't depend on anything. God created time Space and matter. Would you say that with me, especially our young, some of our younger folks here? Would you say God created time, space, and matter? Created. Time. Created time, space, and matter. He is not bound to it or defined by it. It is in him. I just said what I believe to be true and believe I can show by scripture, and I still don't understand it. What picture of that do we have? None. We don't. And he would say, go ahead and take your best shot, but there's nothing on earth you can use to equate with me or fully describe me. But he allows us to take shots, so we do. But it is that complete otherness of God that essentially said God is whole and complete. In other words, he's entirely other because he doesn't, let me just put it in East Tennessee vernacular or Southern Florida vernacular where I grew up. Either way, it's the same. God don't need nothing. Triple negative. How many like that grammar? Great point of that. God don't need nothing. He, God needs nothing. Paul would say that in his treatise of engagement in the book of Acts on the, at the Areopagus. He said, we come to worship him, although we can't really bring him anything that rocks his world because he doesn't need anything. You see, that is the hope for us. Please listen to me because I don't know that we believe it, but God, God is whole and complete, lacking nothing. Peter says, you can be and should be holy as he is holy. What does that mean? I have this continuing journey of wholeness. What is that called? Transformation. Never stops. Isn't that the good news? Amen. Okay, look at the person next to you. Say, you're awesome but you're not the best version of you yet. Go ahead and tell them that. Now see, some of you will say, well, thanks for putting me down. No, I didn't put you down. I gave you infinite hope. You see, you may think you're the best version of you, but if you do, then you're saying, holy has done all it can do. And God, listen, God never done, you'll never use him up. Isn't that good news? Yet there's always a next step. Don't interpret that as religious legalism or observance, okay? To scripture today. The closing words of Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to do this. I'm starting right now. The clock's running. I want you to pay attention because I don't want to talk so long that I use up your attention span and then you miss the end, okay? So that's a good pledge. Let's see if I can do that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. There's an interesting Statement At the close of chapter two, where they put the break in scripture, there's a break there intentionally because Genesis chapter three, verse one says, now the serpent, but Genesis chapter two, verse 25, Amanda, can we get that up? There we go. Um, you can put glasses on or get out binoculars. Um, And the man and his wife were both naked. I'm being a smart aleck. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Do you understand as you come to the close of Genesis chapter 2 is the capstone of God's original creative intent expressed through the Garden of Eden, creating this immaculate and ultimate worship environment where Adam, uh, uh, Ish-Adam and Isha-Adam, we know them to be he-man and she-man, are able to encounter God in unbroken, nothing's between them and God. Nothing is between. It is the ultimate worship environment. The ultimate worship environment. It's not short-lived so it would seem. But on the capstone of that expression, it's not an accident that he said, the last thing he did was to put a bow on it and say, I've created a shame-free environment. Dr. Brené Brown, PhD, interests us, and she, her entire work has been done on shame. And while she hasn't written a biblical treatise, she is a believer. And her findings are compelling. And she gives us this definition, simple definition, as a starting point of shame. The belief, I am not enough. I am not smart enough. I am not tall enough. I don't have enough of the right social status or the right color of skin, or I'm not tall enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not cosmetically appealing enough, I'm not whatever enough. At this capstone of Genesis chapter two, verse 25, God leaves them in an environment of enoughness. And then the adversary comes to convince them that they're not enough because if they were enough, God wouldn't be hiding things from them. Listen, it said they listened to him, listen closely, and they said, we were deceived, we were afraid, and so we hid from each other. You've heard that 1,000 times here. There's rarely a time that will come by because that is the never-ending battle right there. Never-ending battle. Shame is introduced and it slithers into the garden Mankind is made to feel not enough, so they hide from God. Go with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. This word that shows up in a moment here, watch where our confidence is found. He says, such confidence. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and it's mid-text. In chapter 3, we've been living there for lots of months because it's the closing two verses we've been living on that, where it says God is the transforming us to his image from glory to glory, image to image, as from the Lord, the Spirit. Powerful statement we've taken apart. God's intentions toward me. But in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4, it goes on to say, But with such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Watch this. Not that we are adequate. Would everybody say adequate? Adequate. This word is used three times. It's translated differently in other places. Uh, Let's let's continue. Not that we are adequate in and of ourselves to consider anything coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is where? From, would everybody say, from from God? One more time. From God. When we accept Christ as savior, because of his blood, we are enough. That doesn't mean we won't be transformed. To the contrary, what you're gonna discover is accepting God's statement of our adequacy is a prerequisite to transformation. As long as you're wrestling with, am I enough? Beloved, can I tell you this, that transformation is still out there ahead of you, but never embraced. But watch the sequence of the language that happens here. But we are not, we are adequate in ourselves to consider any, we are not, excuse me, coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Let's keep going. We are also made adequate as servants of a new covenant, not by the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Would you scroll back to verse 4? But confidence we have, everybody say, through Christ. Christ. Now this is the setup for adequacy. I want you to repeat this to me. My adequacy adequacy is from God God, through Christ Christ. by by the Spirit. Keep repeating, please. I know this may seem elementary or pedantic, but I am adequate from God, from God, through Christ, through Christ. By, the by the Spirit. When I accept it as from God, through Christ, and by the Spirit, and when I make that declaration, the Spirit looks back and say, now you're ready for transformation. Now you're ready for transformation. You see, this word is translated in other places. Uh, Amanda, I don't know where my sermon notes was, went, so we're in trouble. Um, just go to whatever next verse I gave you. Pick the one in. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I want to give you a couple of snapshots here of, uh, what did you find? No, not that one. <laughs> Hang on. I bragged on her. She can usually read my mind. Clearly, she must have sinned this week because she's out of sync. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? After. Luke twenty-two thirty-eight. that one. Luke, oh, there we go. Did you steal my notes, Jeff? Okay, right. that's okay. You're still adequate. Yeah. Luke Luke twenty two thirty eight. Excuse me. Peter is speaking. I'm, I'm showing you where this word adequate hikanos shows up. That's the word hikanos. You don't I know you don't care. But it's okay. But it, watch how it's translated. They said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And I, don't, forget about the context and what the swords are. That's for another day. I want you to see how he translates the word. He said to them, see it? Can everybody read that? Say it. Come on, read. I'm asking you to, and if you'll repeat it back to me, we'll go faster. There you go. Now everybody's talking to the brother up here. Okay. It is enough. That same word. And let me see where else it shows up. In Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and here comes Hicamos, adequate. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after is, is mightier than I. Here it comes. I am not fit. That's adequate. I am not fit. I'm not enough,? Huh, to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus and John the Baptist get into discussion. He said, look, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus says, it's needful, it is enough. And you are enough. We'll chase that one later. Matthew chapter eight, the centurion, this man of great faith, it's one of the only two or three times that Jesus said he marveled. Here it comes. The centurion has someone sick in his household. And Jesus said, I'm gonna come to your house and heal him. Then the centurion says, Lord, I am not hikamos. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Let's go back and do a reread of, of 2 Corinthians 3 if we can. Let me see. Where did I do with that? Here we go. Not that we are enough in ourselves. Verse 5, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Not that we are enough in ourselves to consider anything things coming from ourselves, but our enoughness is from God, who also made us enough as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills. But the Spirit gives life, and he picks that up later on at the close of this passage. I'm going to sort of hijack the larger subject this morning, and I'm going to land here. Look at me. I'm praying for Lord arise to your rest and be blessed by our praise that he'll rest in your home. Yes. How do we know if he's resting in my home? In the New Testament The Holy Spirit shows up and says, the Father says you're enough. The Son died to make you enough. And the Holy Spirit is empowering you to be enough. And beyond that, enoughness never runs out because he's going to transform you from enough to enough to enough to enough to enough to enough. enough. And it says that's glory, God's opinion on the matter. He's reaching all the way back to the Garden of Eden and said, you listened to a wrong opinion and the glory departed, but I'm here to bring my opinion back. I made you, I know you, I designed you and you're enough. And I'm gonna transform you from enough to enough to enough. You know, you get to to verses 17 and 18, let's pick it up there. I didn't print those in my notes, Amanda, so if you can help me out. Uh, Verses 17 and 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter three, find it, look at it, please. Here we go. Now, the Lord is the spirit. We just ended up on that. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen right there. Amen. Hallelujah. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. What is, who's reflecting to you who you are? The damage of the past, the voices. God help me right here. Come on. Come on. Okay. The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, I believe that there, Amanda. We're going to keep reading. As you know, and have heard of a thousand times, the translators are the one who put in verse and chapter demarcation. And it helps us. That's good. But they weren't originally written like that. Nowhere in the Bible. God didn't give the Bibles and the Word of God by inspiration. Uh, And then say to, for instance, to Moses, say, now this is verse 23. He didn't ever say that, okay? We did that. Why is that important? Always read what comes before what you're reading, because very often you'll see therefore, and always find out what therefore is therefore. And then afterward... You'll see the antecedent, you know, the, the, next, the next thing fall. Well, here it comes. So we're going to back up and read. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Here we go. Verse 1, chapter 4. Or not. The, uh, she's, I'm getting the yellow. That's all right. I'll read it to you. Therefore... Since we have this ministry, remember he talked about that, this point of service, as we received mercy, everyone shout mercy. Mercy Mercy is the say no of God. Did you know that? Yes. It's used 74 times in the New Testament. Watch. Mercy is the force. Everyone look at the preacher. You need to hear it. Mercy is the force of God refusing to join us in any identity or opinion of me other than his identity or opinion of me. And he's vicious about it. So go ahead and embrace another identity if you want. If it's not the one that's from him, God says, hope you have fun with that. I won't join you in it. Come on. There's a reason why I've said a thousand times, mercy follows us all the days of my life, but it doesn't always join us right where we are. Yes. Has anybody ever here been in a moment of stupidness and say, God, I'm wondering where you are? And he says, I'm right over here. Yes. He said, I'll follow you all the days of your life, but I'm not going to help you be stupid. Not one time. I'm gonna follow you every place you go, but I'm not gonna assist you in your destruction. The love of God unleashes mercy that will follow you, but it's the holy God that unleashes mercy to transform you. And I'm right here on the edge of your life at any moment you're ready for it. How do I get ready for it? Funny you should ask, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse one again. Okay, here we go, watch. Therefore, since we have the ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart But we have renounced the things, here it comes, hidden because of shame. Anybody remember what happened in the Garden of Eden? They hid because of shame. He says things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but with a manifestation of truth. Watch this, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. He keeps going and keeps going. But verse six, for the light who said, the light shall shine of darkness. He refers to John's gospel, what would become John's gospel, but was ultimately from the prophets. The light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory, there it is again, of God. Watch this. But we have this treasure, what treasure? Glory, glory. We have this treasure in my earthen vessel. What does glory do? Transforms me. To what? The next glory. It works as I declare I am adequate. Did you see him pick up the word shame? He said, we have hidden because of shame. Come out of hiding. Here's what I want to say to you. And it's an absolute footnote, sidebar, or departure from the emphasis that we had last week. Otherwise... But here's where I wanna end. Listen to me. God created the, when I, I hate saying the institution. He inaugurated, launched the first biblical reference to what we know to be marriage is Genesis chapter two. And he puts the capstone on it by saying, this wonderful completion of a worship environment is a shame-free environment, watch me. And the very first place it should have expression is in the union and covenant of marriage. Why is that important? Beloved, hear me. Because he bothers to fast forward all the way to Second Corinthians 3 and said, let me tell you about God's opinion. Shame says you're not enough. But I want you to know, Father wouldn't have wasted the death of his son if it didn't have the power to remove you from the land of not enoughness to make you enough and then transform you to living beyond enough. For it's from the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. In your marriage relationship, if your voice is one that is constantly reminding them there are not enough, you are not speaking what the Father is speaking over your home until my voice reflects the father's voice on the matter right there my first and foremost job of declaring enoughness to another human being is that precious woman sitting in the front row right there and for those of you who can't see who I'm pointing out that's my pointing out that's my wife Brenda a voice it is tragic that in many homes I have done thousands of hours of counseling. It'll often deteriorate to one or the other, if not both parties, and then it turns into a battle of shame. I counseled a brother who's gone through a, a separate divorce of, of, of nearly 30 years. And and the and the reason because, the reason was is that he said, I just could not endure another decade of the shame that was brought to me every day, reminding me of something I had done in my teenage years before I was even married. I just could not carry it anymore. We say, well, I'm here to help him or her become what they can be. Great, do that, but don't start with shame. God does not God starts with the declaration that by the blood of Jesus Christ acquired from the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit, I'm standing with his opinion on you to tell you that you are enough. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're enough. And I want to be the voice, the first voice in that line. And you say, listen, well, they haven't earned it. Everyone, please, I beg you, look at me. You didn't earn a stinking thing through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not one of us here earned it. Not one of us here are worthy. It was freely given when Ephesians 5 likens the love of God to the church, to the marriage. Let let, let me just, I don't have that one in my notes. Give me a second. Hallelujah. It's chapter 4 if you want to find it. 90% sure it's somewhere around verse 25. Ephesians 4. Watch what travels together. Now I'm going to pick up. No, it's 5. Excuse me. I said 4. It's chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 25. I'm gonna pick up after the comma, husband loves your wives, comma. Watch the language, because he's gonna, from this point on, he's gonna use the illustration, and the illustration is this. Everybody listen to me. If you find it on your, in your Bibles or your pads or whatever, great, get there. Just as Christ also loved, everybody say love, love. loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify. That is the verb form of holy. We don't have a verb for holy. We don't have a verb for righteous. Righteous verb is justify. I always like to tell people when you, I do it. Want want to hear how I read this to myself at home? Watch. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might just bring them the love of the cross and comfort them in the sin imprisonment they sit and leave them there. No. He loved him gave himself for her that he might holyize her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Love and holy are never far apart. You can't set, that's a that's a wrong statement. Erase that. Rewind. You can't know holy without love and you can't know love without holy. This word says if I love her I'm gonna be an agent of holyizing. Well, what is holyizing? I'm going to be assisting her in her journey of holy. Where does it start with? My first declaration is Brenda Sturbens, You are adequate in God. The gifts he's given you, and sweetheart, you know I'm praying in these days. Boldness is not something you lack, but I'm praying for God to multiply it by 10. I can't tell you how moved I am every time you get up here and start stomping around and preaching like a preacher from 100 years ago and you are declaring it matter-of-factly, you're not seeking an opinion, I pray God designed you with that prophetic declarative gift, and you are enough. And He's not done with your enoughness. He's transforming that. And I can't tell you how excited I am to be able to reach out my hand, take you by the hand, and say I'm going to stand at the front of that line along with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if there's anything comes from me other than shamelessness, Remind me about God's opinion of you because we're going to start from there. You're not all you're going to be. I can't wait to see what that will be in the name of the living God. Beloved, if we don't have our homes rooted there, watch this. We won't be surprised that our kids grow up and seek to find an identity in anything else from sexuality to materialism to greed because we've just convinced them as they've watched us live that God is not enough because the first place that should be expressed according to Genesis and Ephesians 5 is right in the marriage. If I'm listening to what Jesus did for the church, my words to her are supposed to be washing and cleansing, not indicting. That doesn't mean I ignore the realities or the sin, the finding identity in other places. doesn't mean I ignore that at all, but it means that I come with love and partner in the holy Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm just going to say this, we're coming back next week to it, maybe. We live a redemptive gospel says I don't. Need Hang on, I think I wrote it down. It was a changed thought as I was getting ready to head out the door. God's redeeming love, do we have this one? Okay, can you see that? God's redeeming love promises to forgive us our sin and sanctify our shame. But culture says we should forgive shame and sanction our sin. Just let that sink in, would you? Let it sink in, just let it sink in for a minute. I'm gonna pick that up next week. Right now, we're gonna stop. Um, Christian, Lydia, and Nora Bell, and Noah. Hey, I think Noah said, what? (laughs) (laughs) What a handsome boy. Guys, come up here. Mom and dad, you coming? Sure you are, if you weren't going to, you're coming anyways, come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come all, come come all the way up here precious, if you would. There you go. Hey, Jeff, are you back there? Can you come move this table out of the way, please? Good hey, son. Pastor. on up here. You're my hero. Someday, hopefully not too far, I'm going to have sister evangelist Floria, that's Lydia's mom, share with you a bit of her testimony on how they left Romania. This woman was like a rabid Faith activist on the level of biblical people, bold, brave. Oh my goodness! Pastor Floria has been a, a pastor for what, three or four decades now. Yep, uh-huh. a generations of that follows, more generations that follow. I told you I was going to do what I'm about to do. You don't know what it is. I love you guys. Oh my goodness. You know how my heart rejoiced when you, quote, found each other. You've already shared your testimony. And baby, I would not mention it to embarrass you or remove any of the wonderful dignity that God has clothed you in. She came to the marriage from well over a decade of abuse by a man who called himself a bishop. If you were here 10 years ago or eight, you would have heard her testimony in one of the women's things. What an amazing woman of God. An amazing woman of God. Shame said you're not enough. But love and holy said she was. And she decided to start listening to that right voice, and allow the other one to be pushed out of her head. She hid because of shame and stepped out of hiding because of love and holy. (laughs) Christian, you guys married, and believe it or not, we live in the 21st century, and still there were voices that would seek to foist shame on you because of just an interracial marriage. I'm not saying that to embarrass you. I'm saying that, that we are blessed recipients of a grace that's always flowing from you. Yes. And I pray as you've given us the luxury of entering your moment of worship with this child and prior to Noah, <laughs> I'm, I need, you, hey, I need that smile. Will you remember me when you become president? No? Okay. <laughs> Would you all stand to your feet, please? I want to declare over your home, Genesis 2.25, that in your home, this just fresh awakening of truth to me that you're the first home, pointedly, I've had the chance to declare it over even before my own. Well, I guess I did it right there, didn't I? That your marriage would be one that recaptures the intent of God's created effort in the Garden of Eden. That you live the rest of your days where each is the voice of God unto a shamelessness and an enoughness. I have full confidence that when these babies grow up in that home and that environment, when they become to the, come to that threshold of choosing what will define their life, they will come to God and it won't be a fresh introduction and they won't discover his voice for the first time saying you're enough because they will have seen it in your eyes. They would have already heard it in your voice. They would have picked up on the ambient reflections and how you speak to one another, encouraging one another, irrespective of where you've walked, where you've been, or what humanity may seek to do with the color of your skin. You need to know that you're enough. God said so. Before the foundation of the world, the sun died for it, and the Holy Spirit is bringing it. And Nora, Bell and Noah will, draw up, will grow up. And when they step up to the doorway of making their own decision, there will be voices out there that will say, but you're not enough. And he'll look right back with that smile and say, what you talking about fool? And so I pray today in this moment of dedication, father, I can't make Nora Bell's decisions for her. She'll do that at some point. Now I need your hand lifted this way. But we pray pray for a grace, and certainly as we anoint her with oil, as we did already with Noah. This oil of the Holy Spirit, this oil of the Holy Spirit that is the agent of enoughness, that she would know that long before she can ever speak a word or understand the concept. And then as she begins to grow, and she sees Christian and Lydia, speaking from their own realized sense of enoughness that it would just flow onto them in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we need homes like that. Yes. Listen, that's where we fix the disease of culture. Yes. All we do in this room is help that happen. Yes. But in your home, is it, put your hands down. Is there anybody here, and I know you're gonna raise your hand, I am anybody here The saying, Father, I want a fresh baptism of enoughness to kick shame out of my home. Yes. Come on. And so, Father, we declare that over them. Now, Papa, I need this mic. I want you to pray anything you want to pray in terms of that generation. I'm go- no, I always, I always defer to you, and I'm not going to this time. I want you to pray that the anointing of generations will multiply. Then you pray whatever you want. But what flows through you of the grace of God would be multiplied as it flows down to this home in ways that we can't even articulate. Pray however you want. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for Lydia. We thank you for Christian. In this moment, we ask you to bless Nora Bell. (laughs) Raise her for your glory, O Lord. Lord. To grow a healthy girl. To know you. Hallelujah. Fill her with the Holy Spirit yes. from yes, Father. the young generation. <laughs> yes. Lord, we thank mm. you because you are God. Yes. And you have the power to bless. And we ask in Jesus' name yes. to bless this family. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.